I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got A.J. Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, with full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Prideful Takes Podcast. As always, it's your boy Pride, and we got a I'm great episode today. To it's going to be tough. Stick online. What is it? It's a big pen. It can we go. Today we got a good episode. We got some injuries in the NFL. We got a big fight this weekend. But first and foremost, Major League Baseball postseason, it's here. The wild card game has come and gone. Now we got the five-game series coming up. And, well, for some teams it's coming up. Um, a lot of teams, the, a, uh, the two teams in the AL have already played. So we're going to see how how I believe it's going to pan out. Now, first and foremost, I am as biased as they come, and I will admit this to the day I die. I am a diehard Red, a Red Sox fan. And we got Molly Wap, which really wasn't that much of a surprise considering Erod couldn't really – he decided to pull his, his Garrett Cole out, and he really couldn't give us much. I will say this. I do believe our offense – can stack up with anybody else's in the league. Our pitching is what scares me. Because if we can't at least somewhat hold these guys somewhat down, it's going to be tough for us. It really is. There's just no other way to really look at it. Obviously, we play Tampa Bay. Tampa leads 1-0. Houston Astros in Chicago play. Houston leads that series 1-0. However, they are in the ninth inning right now, and they are currently winning 9-4. So in a few minutes, they might be up to zip. Uh, the Giants, later today, Giants and Dodgers are going to play, which is a series I'm very interested in. And then also the Brewers and Atlanta Braves are going to play. Now, look, like I said, I'm a Red Sox fan. As much as I hope we win, I don't think we will. I'm proud of what we've done, whoop de doo But at the same time, right now, Tampa is just a better team. Granted, their offense You can make an argument who's better, offense or defense. If the Red Sox offense is better, then Tampa's really not that far behind. Let's just call it what it is. They're not really too far behind because they got a whole bunch of clutch hitters in that lineup. And when you have clutch hitters who can make contact, that's all you really need. That's really it. Um, uh, So now it's official. The Astros have beaten the White Sox. Um, The score was 9-4. to So that's the final score. So now Houston is now up to nothing, which doesn't really surprise me. I, I, I'm on, I've been on record before saying I like Houston. I do enjoy watching them play. Um, they kind of do have to play more of the offensive side of the ball, which is fine. Um, it's working out for them. They have some solid pitching. Um, so to get that out the way, I do believe Houston – I think the game three, I think Chicago will get it. I, I don't want to poop on Chicago. I think they'll get one game, but I think in the end it'll be 3-1. And then Houston will be moving on to the next round. In terms of Tampa, look, I'm a holdout. I'm a holdout. I'm still going to go with Boston in five. Again, I'm a fan. I'm a big fanboy. So maybe, you know, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I do feel like our offense is solid enough to contend. It's really will our pitching step up. That's all That's all it really comes down to is our pitching going to step up. Um, we do have Chris Sale today on the mound. So we, it's going to be interesting to see 
because I believe Chris O is going to get us the win, and then it's going to be 1-1, and then we go from there. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes after this. Now, if Tampa lights up Chris Bell, Chris Sale tonight, I think you should you can just call it. It, it won't even matter. Um, the Giants and Astros – I'm sorry, the Giants and uh, Dodgers. That is one I'm actually very interested in. The Giants this year have been the most surprising team and the most consistent team. Like these guys, I don't know what it is, but – you got um, Brandon Bell is, is 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 just got the highest home run rate of his career. Um, Brandon Crawford is all of a sudden turning back the hands of time. Like you've got guys who are, and obviously Chris Bryant. Let's just say he's he's a premier player. He's one of the best third basemen in the game. These guys are just I don't know what it is. I'm very excited for them. I'm gonna go on limb. I'm gonna give this one to the Giants in five. I genuinely believe the Giants. And again, not to say that the Dodgers are trash, but I genuinely like where the Giants are. They're they're moving in a place where honestly, I don't I, I'm not really gonna bet against them. I don't feel that comfortable betting against them. So I'm definitely gonna take the Dodgers. Milwaukee and Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers versus the Atlanta Braves. This is one that frankly, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter. Because whoever wins. Whoever wins here is just going to go on and get swept by the winner of Giants-Dodgers. It's really all. I'm going to give it to the Brewers, and, and uh, I'll give it to the Brewers in four. But, again, you're kind of just playing to lose because you're just going to end up going and getting swept by either the Giants or the Dodgers. R- regardless, whichever team wins, they're going to end up sweeping them. I'm going to say Boston is going to beat Tampa. We will revisit this after the series and see how it goes from here. Again, this is just me being a fan. Although, like I said, in order for us to win our offense, we can't we can't get shut out again. Because if we get shut out again, we're screwed. Because like I said, I believe our offense can keep up. But again, if we're just out here laying donuts and goose eggs, we don't have the type of pitching that we can rely on and win, you know, two nothing games in, in the playoffs. I I, I it's most of the games are going to win or have to have to be high-scoring games, which, again, our lineup is capable of that. J.D. is coming back. He's DHing, so that's going to be good. Uh, we'll see if, you know, him being able to come back in and we'll be able to spark things up. So, so far I got it. Tampa, uh, I got Boston playing the Astros, which in that case I got I got Boston <laughs> beating the Astros. Again, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Like I said, I genuinely do believe our – if we can get through Tampa, I, I believe we can not only make the World Series, but if we're not playing the Dodgers, I think we have a legitimate chance of winning. Because the Dodgers, obviously, now the the, the Giants still scare me. I, I did say this last Wednesday um, when I was when I had my uh, had Chris here, and and then I ended up going into the whole you know Garrett Cole is not an ace, but he's a number two, and then you got casuals who are just listening to the name Garrett Cole and say. Oh, well, if you don't think he's an ace, you don't know what you're talking about. No, bro. Like, if, if you actually look at it and how he's been pitching, he gets blown up. Look, I'm not rehashing that whole conversation. But before we got to that conversation, I did say, I'm I, I the Dodgers scare me immensely. But the Giants also scare me, not as much as the Dodgers, but enough to keep me up at night. So whoever comes out of the AL, because honestly, I believe whoever comes out of the AL is going to be the winner of the Giants and Dodgers. That's who's going to come out of the NL. 
regardless of what team comes out of the AL, those two teams scare the mess out of me. Like, if you, like, if they, you can say, oh, who would you rather face? Obviously, people are going to say the Giants, right? But that's like going, that's like on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being maximum difficulty, 1 being like rookie mode. You're basically going from like a 10 to like an 8 and a half, 9. Like, the drop is not that drastic. Like, you're still playing a very tough team. So, I'm going to be scared regardless. Like, I, look, man, if, if we end up winning, I'm, I'm going to put this on record right now. If we win the World Series, I'm coming on this show sloppy. I'm inviting every Yankees fan I know. There's going to be no topics. There's going to be no discussions. It's just going to be me ranting and raving for about 45 minutes. And I'm going to line up every Yankees fan I know. I'm going to mute them. So they can't, they can't interrupt me. I'm going to mute them. And I'm going to be acting up a whole flipping mess. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be a flipping up a mess. But I will say this. I don't think Tampa's going to win it because I'm talking about the World Series because even if they beat us again, Tampa against the Dodgers, eh. Tampa against the Giants, eh. I, I don't know. Um, more likely than not, if you're going to ask me to put my money, who I think will legitimately win, like biases aside, I'm going to go with the Giants. And it's it's tough, but I just feel like I said, it all really comes down to the San Francisco Giants, to me, have played more consistent throughout the year. And I feel like when you play more consistent like that, then you add a player like Chris Bryant and still keep that level of consistency. Some could even say that they even brought it up a level. That right there can – that's something you need to go into the playoffs because now you got that level of consistency. You can keep that rolling in the playoffs, and, you know, you'll be able to, you know, go to how basically however as far as your legs can carry you. So if you're going to ask me to put money, I'm going to put money on the Giants. But right behind them, I'm going to give it to the Dodgers. I think they're also real close there. And then behind them, I can't believe I'm saying this and people are going to get mad at me because they're not going to get over happened a few years ago. Houston. The Astros are proving that, yeah, we stole signs, but we don't need that to be a legitimate playoff team. That's what they're doing right now. Then after them, I put Tampa, which is weird to say, but for me, Houston's offense is more explosive, and the, the pitching isn't the best in the world, but it's passable. It's okay. Not the best. Not something to brag about, but it works. It works. In terms of Tampa, I just, again, for me, it's, is it possible that when they get to the finals, they're going to rely on analytics again? Like, that's kind of my fear with them. They remember Blake Snell was dealing, then they pulled him out. I'm one of the people with the opinion. If they said, if they were not stressing about analytics, which, by the way, when they did that and they brought in, the, I forgot the reliever's name, but when they brought him in, believe it or not, it actually was, it went against the analytics. Like, they said, oh, analytically, this was the right move, but then the guy they brought from the bullpen, based on the analytics, was actually the wrong move to make. It was the wrong move. So, but I digress. Are they going to rely on the analytics again? That's 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 a question mark I have, and frankly, I'm I'm really worried about that. Um, when it comes to Houston, they're not really that analytical. 
they use it, but they're a decent balance of like analytics. And we got Jose Altuve, who's a phenomenal contact guy. Carlos Correa, as much as people want to poo-poo on him, he's a clutch hitter. We've got Zach Granke, who is still a, he's still a great pitcher. Like they 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 use analytics, but they also rely on their guys. With Tampa, I don't really see that. I see more of like, sure, we'll rely on you if possible, but at the same time, analytics kind of overrule you. Um, obviously, I'm gonna have to put Boston Red Sox last. I have to. I have no choice. Um, can we go on a Cinderella run? Sure. But notice how I said Cinderella, right? Like, I'm saying we could win because I'm a fan. But if I'm taking a step back and looking at it objectively, our pitching is not really going to cut it. And if you got to overly rely on your offense, you're setting yourself up to a, you're setting yourself up to basically fail because there's going to be times where the where the offense just can't get it done. And it's games like that where you need at least solid pitching. Unfortunately, we don't have that. So, but you know what? Like I said, I'm not. I'm not abandoning. I'm not giving up hope. I'm not jumping ship. We're winning the World Series, and I have nothing but faith in my team. If we lose, it is what it is. If we sink, I'll drown with my team. And that's all I have to say about on that matter. But speaking of sinking. The Seattle Seahawks, they are not in a good way right now. If you guys watched the game last night, Russell Wilson's middle finger, I have to look away. That looked, that was not funny. Through the ball, Aaron Donald was there, and it was described as his finger bent forward in a very unnatural way. Your finger is not supposed to, ugh, that right there makes me queasy. You try to come back. He came back out, and then Pete Carroll was like, yeah, you're out of your mind. We're going we're gonna to keep you out. Put in Geno Smith. They ended up losing that game to the Rams and fell to two and three. It's a million-dollar question. Is it time for Seattle to panic? Now, I'm going to be 110% honest. Do I think they should full-blown panic? No. But I will say this. You need to be worried. Now, if you want to say they should full-blown panic, that's on you, but – they, at, very, at the very least, need to be worried. Look, this defense is suspicious. At, at best, they're suspicious. They're 26th in passing yards allowed. They're 30th in rushing, passes, uh, rushing yards allowed. 21st in points allowed. And 32nd in TDs allowed. So this is not a team that you can just throw out, throw out uh, um, some transitional quarterback and go, oh, you know. Figure it out. You know, we got a defense that can hold it down. Because there's a problem with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, I don't know who forgot to tell him. I think he, he's not understanding. He swears he still has a legion of boom. He swears by it. And he swears that this is still a defensive team. I don't know where he's been. There's only one person left from the legion of boom. And that's Bobby Wagner. And I'm talking about in terms of the defense. The only person left in the Legion of Boom is Bobby Wagner. That's it. Ain't no other person left. And it's like, at some point, you need to understand, like, okay, look, defensively, we're not fast. So, you know. And it, it's just insane to me. Now, the reason I'm saying they need to worry is because Russell Wilson has, is having, dare I say, a phenomenal year. Even though it's only been five games, so it's only been five weeks, 72% completion percentage, um, 1,196 yards, 10 touchdowns, only one interception. Those like I, I like me some Russell Wilson, 
Russell Wilson is a, is a guy who in the pocket, if, if things start to collapse, he can make things work. If things get, gets a little sus, he can be, he'll be like, okay, it is what it is. You know, we, we'll figure it out. You know, calm, cool, and collected. If I need to use my legs, I'll use my legs. I, but I'm not just a running defense, you know, like, or a running quarterback. Like, I can find, I can, he can read defenses. I like Russell Wilson a lot. Now, he is going to see a specialist to see if his finger is okay. Now, the term that they're trying to see if he has is something called mallet finger. So basically what mallet finger is, for, for those of you that are listening, the top part of your finger, so if you look at, if, let's, let's go with the middle finger, right? If you go from the top of your finger down, there's a crease, right? That, that little line, right? Mallet finger is when your finger bends in towards your palm and it's basically kind of stuck that way. That's the, that's, whew, just, just doing that makes me freak me out. That's what they're trying to figure out if he has. The reason that's a problem is because now that I'm messed with his grip of the football, because this is his throwing hand. It's the middle finger on his throwing hand. So if he can't get a good grip, eh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, you know? Now, if he has it, it's not like he's screwed. There are ways you can heal it. You know, some people do surgery, other people's. You know, if they just put splints on it, it'll heal itself. So it's not like he'll be screwed. You know, you know, he's he's gonna get what checked. You know, obviously they they did not let Russell Wilson be immediately um, available to the press right after because they were like, ain't no way we're gonna let anybody see this dude right now because it's it's like we don't want him being bombarded with questions. Here's the problem: if he ends up missing. Six, seven, eight weeks. That's a possibility. He can miss that. If he's missing six, seven, eight weeks, this team is not making the playoffs. With Geno Smith, with Geno Smith, Geno Smith is going to have to break records to get this team to the playoff. And no, the only thing this dude can break is his jaw after he got punched when he was in New York. That's the only. That's the only thing this dude finna break. Ain't gonna be no. Oh my God, Geno Smith's gonna take us to the promised land. No, he not. He gonna take you to the ER so you can go say what up to us. That's it. Now, there is a report that just came in. It said that the Seattle Seahawks are bracing for Russell Wilson to miss at least a month and up to six to eight weeks with the finger injury. They're screwed. Now they're screwed. So remember how early I said, yeah, you know, they, they shouldn't be. Now you panic. Now you panic. Because if he was only going to be out for like a week or two, that's fine. They're two and six. See, if they were five, if they were like five and oh, maybe even four and one, heck, maybe even three and two, I'd say fine. They're in a hole. Not only are they in a hole, they are with a, I don't want to say a horrible defense, but a horrible defense. It, 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 this offense is basically the only thing that was kind of carrying them to the two wins they had. Their defense is a liability, and it's. It, I, I don't really know where they go from here. You know, they, they're going to play Pittsburgh next, which... You know, they got big. They got Ben Roethlisberger on the roster, so the, the Pittsburgh will find a way to screw it up. But it's it's just bizarre to me. I don't understand. And again, I don't like. like I just don't get why 
This is what this man meant when he said, get me a line. This is what he meant. Russell Wilson has been an Iron Man for most of his career, right? He's been an Iron Man. If I'm not mistaken, he has not missed a single game. Like Pittsburgh next week will be his first missed game. He's made 149 consecutive starts, right? All of a sudden, all that goes up in the air. This this season, if if and mind you, Russell's gonna try to force himself to come back. And I, I, if if I'm the organization, I don't let him come back. I don't because I don't. I, I in no way do I want to risk it. Like I'm not gonna risk my franchise quarterback. At what point are, are, are we gonna sit here and say this dude's going dead? That's a conversation we're gonna have to have because again, look at this defense. These these are some of the numbers. The other numbers, look, they were ranked. It's funny, they're ranked 16th in defense. 16th. But then when you actually delve into it, it's wild how many 20s and unders they rank in terms of defense. But it, it, it's hard. It, again, and Russ was basically, and I don't care what anybody says. If you disagree with me, we can fight about it. I don't mind. But Russ was basically carrying this team to the 2-3 and three they were already at. Or the 2-2 two and two at the time they were already at. Now he goes down there two and three. At this point, I don't know. I don't, I don't. It is what it is for to the Seattle fan. God, I'm not a Seattle fan. You know, I might be a little worse. I'm a Patriot fan. So we, we got our own problems. But we we in the corner, we're chilling right now. 72% completion percentage, 1,196 yards, sun touchdowns, one interception. I can I can scream those who I'm black and blue in the face, and that's that's what they lost, and they're replacing it with Geno Smith. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go from here, where they go, the moves they make. It's going to be interesting, you know, especially when we start getting two, three weeks after this. If the Seahawks are now in a position where they need to kind of go on a run, it's going to be interesting to see if they allow Russell to force himself in the lineup. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But I just feel bad for Russ at the end of the day. I really do. And dare I say, this might be the beginning of the end in terms of them kind of getting him getting ready to get up out of Seattle. But this man, Tyson Fury, is going to put pause on Deontay Wilder. I said what I said and I meant it. The trilogy is finally here. Now, Wilder feels like he's made the proper adjustments. To not only beat Tyson Fury, but to knock him out. Meanwhile, Fury's like, yo, this dude out of his mind. This dude is delusional. I'm going to beat the bricks off him. And I can move on to Anthony Joshua. Who's going to win this fight? Well, me personally, I, I think I, Tyson Fury. I, personally, I, I don't think, like, in, in boxing, you hear them, oh, yeah, every guy has a puncher's chance. I don't believe in that. Let me explain why. The first fight, Deontay Wilder threw everything he had. I'm going to say it one more time. He threw everything he had at Tyson Fury. Mind you, Fury was dominating the fight. I'm going to throw that out there, right? He knocked him down twice. And this dude, Tyson Fury, got up like nothing. Especially that second knockdown. 
The second knockdown, he got knocked down. Everyone's like, oh my God, he's about to get knocked out. Dude got up, was chilling, and then went back to dominating. Deontay Wilder is a very, he, he throws a lot of punches. And Tyson Fury's too technical. Now, before I go, before I go any further, um, the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Aguirre, broke it down a little more for people in detail. Here's a tell the tape. Tyson Fury will defend the WBC Heavyweight Championship against Deontay Wilder on Saturday night at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Let's break it down. Deontay Wilder is 35 years old. He's six foot seven with an 82-inch reach and a record of 42-1-1 with 41 knockouts. From Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Wilder was a standout basketball player in high school and college until he was forced to drop out at the age of 19 when his daughter was born with spina bifida. After a year of working as a truck driver, he decided to turn his attention to boxing and began an excellent amateur career under the tutelage of J.D.'s, first winning the National Golden Gloves title, accumulating with a bronze medal in the 2008 Olympics after only three years in the sport. After amassing an amateur record of 30-5, he turned pro in November of 2008 with a second-round knockout of Ethan Cox. Over the next four years, he went 25-0, with all of them coming by stoppage before winning his first belt, the WBC Intercontinental Heavyweight title with a third-round knockout of Kelvin Price. He defended it six times with brutal knockouts over former contenders Audley Harrison, Sergei Likovic, and Malik Scott before defeating WBC champion Bermain Stavern in January of 2015 by a lopsided unanimous decision, becoming the first American heavyweight since 2004. After defending the title twice with knockouts over Eric Molina and Johan Duupa, he brutally knocked out Polish challenger Arthur Spilka, rendering him unconscious for several minutes and causing him to be rushed to the hospital. Following the knockout, the newly crowned unified champion Tyson Fury entered the ring challenging Wilder in a heated face-to-face -face altercation. Six months later, Wilder returned with an eighth-round stoppage of Chris Ariola then fought a rematch with former champion Stavern, this time dropping him twice early before rushing him and knocking him out with a savage barrage of punches. Four months later, he faced his toughest challenge to that point when he took on Cuba's Louis Ortiz, surviving several harrowing moments in the seventh before stopping him with two knockdowns in the tenth round. After negotiations with Anthony Joshua for a unification match fell through, Wilder accepted a fight with former champion Fury and on December 1st, 2018, the two engaged in an instant classic, with Fury frustrating Wilder with his awkward style and surviving two vicious knockdowns and route to a disappointing split draw. He defended the WBC title twice more with a pair of thunderous right cross knockouts over Dominic Brazil and Louis Ortiz, and on February 22nd, 2020, took on Tyson Fury in the eagerly anticipated rematch. However, this time around, he was completely overwhelmed and outclassed by Fury from the start, suffering two knockdowns in the third and fifth rounds and taking a terrible beating en route to a seventh-round stoppage loss. Long and rangy, Wilder likes to set up his uniquely powerful right cross with a probing jab and, despite typically only weighing between 212 and 220 pounds, is one of the hardest punchers in boxing history with his knockout percentage in title fights being third all-time behind legends Joe Lewis and Rocky Marciano. 
Tyson Fury is 33 years old. He's six foot nine with an 85 inch reach and a record of 30 and 0 with one draw and 21 knockouts. From Manchester, England, Fury was born into a boxing family, which includes his father, his brother, and cousins Nathan Gorman and former middleweight champion Andy Lee. Tyson began boxing at 10 years old and quit school at the age of 11 going on to win the 2007 EU Junior Championships and the 2008 English National Championships before deciding not to wait for the 2012 Olympics, opting instead to turn pro December 6 of 2008 with a first-round knockout. After amassing an amateur record of 31-4, and four, he won his next five in a row by stoppage before defeating John McDermott by unanimous decision to win the English heavyweight title. In his 15th pro fight, he defeated Derek Chisora by unanimous decision to claim the British title, and after knocking out Vinny Madalone and former cruiserweight champion Steve Cunningham, he again defeated old rival Chisora, this time by 10th round stoppage, to win the European heavyweight title. On November 28, 2015, he took on longtime reigning Hall of Famer Vladimir Klitschko, frustrating the champion with a side and awkward movement, en route to a unanimous decision to win the WBA, IBF, WBO, and Ring Magazine heavyweight titles. However, his success was short-lived as his mental health began to rapidly deteriorate after the fight. He quickly ballooned up to 330 pounds, and after testing positive for both cocaine and for a banned substance, he chose to vacate the belts as the British Boxing Board of Council suspended his license. After three years of legal battles to reinstate his license, Fury signed with promoter Frank Warren and returned to the sport in June of 2018 with a fourth-round TKO of Safer Safari and six months later challenged WBC champion Deontay Wilder. Outboxing him throughout and surviving two devastating knockdowns to come away with a split draw. He followed that up with a quick second-round TKO of Germany's Tom Schwartz and then survived a terrible cut over his left eye against Otto Whalen, eventually wearing down the Swede to pull out a unanimous decision. After splitting with trainer Ben Davidson, he decided to train at Detroit's world-famous Kronk Gym under the tutelage of Sugar Hill Stewart, and on February 22, 2020, fought a rematch with Wilder, putting on an absolute masterclass. Overwhelming and battering the champion route to a seventh-round stoppage as Wilder lay helpless on the ropes. Surprisingly fast and agile for his size, Fury uses his massive frame well, controlling the distance between his long jab and locking his opponents with his long arms to stifle their inside attacks. He also possesses head movement and is a master of psychological warfare. Can a focused and rededicated Wilder overcome the psychological shock of his first loss and land at vaunted right cross? Or will Fury continue to assert his will on the bronze bomber and put on another masterclass to cement his legacy as the best heavyweight of his generation? Tune in Saturday night and let's find out. So that was Joe Aguirre. You guys can hear him, Jace Garcia, and Jared Jones every Sunday morning. 10 p the 10 a.m. Eastern time on the Throwing Jabs podcast. So yeah, uh, Deontay Wilder has absolutely no chance at all to win, not even close. And people say, "Oh, he's got a puncher's chance." No, he doesn't. No, this is the surest thing of losing a guy. And I, I, I usually don't like saying that because I, I do like combat sports. I watch boxing and, and uh, MMA a lot, so I do feel like you know, there's times guys can have a puncher's chance. Deontay Wilder has no puncher's chance. The first fight, he landed the hardest hit possibly of his entire career in that last round against Tyson Fury. The guy got up and continued to dominate him. He threw the best shot he had, and it still couldn't finish uh, Fury. 
So unless Deontay Wilder it can come back and hit him harder, I, I, I don't know what he's got for me. I don't know what he's got for me. And then people are saying, oh, Tyson Fury, he got COVID twice, which will play, which will, which would maybe play a, um, a significant uh, factor in the fight. That's why I got postponed. Yes, he did get COVID twice. I do not expect this fight to go the distance. Look, I'm going to tell you this right now. Deontay Wilder has a vicious right, and I'm not going to take that from him. The guy has a killer right, and if you want to say it's the hardest hitting right in all of boxing, I'm not going to argue with you. The dude has a vicious right. There's only two problems with it. One, he doesn't know how to set it up. Dude doesn't know how to set up his right. His right kind of just comes with like, a, oh, here's an opening. Sure, I guess I'll take it. See, he needs to know. He needs to learn how to use his jab. He uses a jab not really to do damage, not really to set anything up. More as like, a, oh, are you close enough to get hit by my right? Like, or if if I if I do a jab and I touch you, you're close enough for me to lunge. If that's how you use your jab, you gonna you gonna you're that's not really that's not gonna do nothing for me. Tyson Fury is way too technical. The dude look. He's going to come into his fight probably about 300 pounds. And everyone's like, oh, my God, 300 pounds. That's, you know, why would he need that? Look, you want to know why he put on 300 pounds? He wants to knock the dude. Look, Tyson Fury doesn't want this fight. He doesn't care for this fight. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Look, I'm, I thought Fury won the first fight. Yes, Wilder knocked him down twice. But if you're going to look at those two knock two knockdowns, and ignore the fact that Fury was putting a clinic on him the entire fight. I don't know what to tell you. Fury was having his way every every single way to Sunday. He literally was having his his way with him to the point where yeah, did he knock him down? Sure. Are you gonna tell me he was hurt? Hey, dare I say those punches? If anything, instead of instead of making. Uh, Fury more tired. He put more in his gas tank because then he came up and still continued to dominate. But I'm I'm supposed to believe in the bronze bomber now. So like I said, one that that's the problem. One, the first problem he has. Yeah, can you hit it? Because a lot of times when he throws that right, it's just it's just this weird, awkward, just un unorganized mess, and it just it it looks like someone who just does not box. That's really what it looks like. It looks like it's someone who does not box. He's got he's got God gifted strength in that right arm, and I will not take that from him. But if you can't land it, if you don't know how to properly set it up, it doesn't matter. And problem number two, which is the problem that he's got with Tyson Fury, what do you do when you hit a guy with your best shot? And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't beat him. That's the dilemma Deontay Wilder is in. Deontay Wilder gave him his best shot. And Tyson Fury got up and was still aggressive. This is the part that people don't, that, that, that are, um, that believe Wilder will win. This is the part they don't want to admit. He knocked him down while Fury got up. And then was the aggressor. What type of guy is going to get knocked down 
and he, he's all so loopy. Why is he going to be the aggressor? If you're going to be the aggressor, that's only one or two things. Either A, you weren't hurt, or B, you're an idiot. It's one or the other. You're either, no pun intended, way too prideful to just be smart and back off, or you're not that hurt. And if you're going to tell me Fury was hurt, you're bugging. To make sure I knew what I was talking about, I rewatched both fights. It's out there. It's out there. And so if you guys don't believe me, you guys can actually go to YouTube, Showtime, actually put it up. I believe Showtime and Top Rank put them out. So you can watch the full fight, both of them. You can watch both full fights. And you can see that Deontay Wilder, if you want to say he's a good boxer, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Deontay Wilder is a good boxer. Tyson Fury is a great one. And that's just the simple truth of it. Fury is too technical. Fury has this weird movement that a guy his size, frankly, should not have. And he still has power. I don't know where this myth came from. I don't know where the myth came from that, oh, he doesn't have power. Bro, Tyson Fury, his in his wins, 70% of them came from knockouts. So how are you going to sit here and say the guy doesn't have power when he's knocking dudes out at a 70% clip? And before anyone says anything, they're going to go, oh, yeah, well, what about Wilder? Doesn't he have, like, a over 95%? You're right. And that works with good fighters. It works with good fighters. Not with great fighters. Not with technical fighters. Not with fighters who understand movement and understand the ring and understand the psychological the, the psychological war that happens. Name me another dude you know who, while you're beating the bricks off you, you're bleeding, he licks your neck. Explain that to me. What guy is going to lick your neck while you're bleeding? Excuse my friends. A fucking savage. Look. Fury can win a fight. If you want to brawl with him, he can win. If you want to have a technical fight with him, he can win. Deontay Wilder has never won a technical fight. He doesn't, he, he, like, that, that's not his thing. So all this notion, like, bro, like, I, like, all I'm saying at this point in Wilder's career, he is what he is. He got upset in the second fight because someone threw in the towel. Fam, you're getting beat. You're right before they threw him the, the, doing the towel. He's in the corner. He's trying to cover up. His back into the corner. And, and Fury kind of walked up to him, his arms kind of down. If anything, that was the perfect opportunity for Deontay Wilder to boop, hit him with something quick just to stagger back. But no, they kind of had this whole little let's have a staring contest. And, why, and it's almost like Fury was like, look, I know you're not going to hit me. I'm just waiting for you to lower your hands a little bit so I can just go to work. And and Wilder just looked frozen. So you're telling me, you're going to sit here and tell me, oh, yeah, Wilder got a chance. No, he doesn't. Again, if the only – he's look, Wilder's a one-trick pony. That's just a – he is a one-trick pony. He's got that right. And I, I, I will never take it away from him. That right, it's a killer. I'll give it to you. 
But let me ask you a question. What happens when a brick wants into a concrete wall? Sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes the brick goes More times than not, the concrete wall is cooling. And that's the problem Deontay Wilder has. He's got a good right, but it can't, it, it can't put down Tyson Fury. And when you don't, when you when you're only yeah, this is perfect. Wilder can't box. And that's and frankly, that shouldn't be a surprise. People are still upset when you say this. He's not a boxer. He's a brawler. There's a difference. Mike Tyson can't box. He's a brawler. There's a difference. Muhammad Ali, that's a boxer. Sugar Ray Leonard, that's a boxer. Roy Jones, that's a boxer. A guy who, okay, my power can't do it, but I can still rely on something else. I can rely on footwork. I can rely on movement. I can rely on bobbing my head. Wilder doesn't have that. Wilder is the only fighter who, when he rocks somebody, Loses the the the, the little mechan the little mechanics he has goes out the window. The dude is fighting like me in high school. You cannot tell me you're a professional when you're loading up your punches, and you're you're like the way you load up your punches, you're squatting down and your elbows about to touch your butt. At what point can you can we really sit here and say? Yeah, you know, he's still a boxer. He's not. He's not. If you want to call him a fighter, go ahead. I'm not going to argue with that. Because, again, he's got a killer right. But what happens when you shoot that right and it doesn't do nothing? Where do you? Where does, where does Wilder go from here? He doesn't have a plan B. He doesn't have a, okay, I can't knock him out. But I can do footwork and work body. No, he doesn't know how to do that. He just doesn't. He's never had to because a lot of the times he's went up against good chins. And a good chin versus a good right, more times than not, the right is going to win. And and again, this is not to poo-poo on Deontay Wilder. He's a good fighter. Fury's great. There's levels to it. Why do you think nobody was really... Look, I don't care what anybody says. Not a single soul on God's green earth was craving this third fight. I'm going to say that one more time for louder for the people in the back. Not a single person was craving for this third fight. Not a single so care. The only people who wanted it was Wilder fans because they thought, oh, yeah, bro, you know, that first round, you know, the first time around, you know, Fury got lucky. The ref gave him a couple more seconds. Then, 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 then the second fight. Well, you know, if... Wilder's right. If he didn't come out with that with that whole costume, that weighed him down, and then and then his corner kind of screwed him over. Now you know what's you know you know who screwed you know who, you really want to screw Wilder over himself. He screwed himself over when he did not evolve his game. He is still the same fighter. He has not adapted to the change that boxing is. You can't sit here and just be a one trick pony and then look at everybody in the face and be like, "Yep, I'm legit." No. No, because look, I've seen Wilder. Uh, I've seen Fury. When he can't knock a dude out, guess what? He uses his footwork. He starts moving. He understands angles. Fury doesn't understand, or um, Wilder doesn't understand angles. Because there's multiple different angles in boxing. There's punching angles. If you want to see a beauty in punching angles, do me a favor. 
Go look up Manny Pacquiao. The dude can hit you from any angle imaginable. Even angles that didn't exist, he could hit you from there. Angles you take to cut bomb people off on the ring. Because you want to, because there's sometimes when you want to keep a guy up against the ropes. Because a guy like Wilder, if you push him back, he's uncomfortable with that. He doesn't like being pushed back. That's not him. He needs to be the aggressor. And once you start being aggressive to him, he doesn't know what to do. So I, I just, I don't understand this whole thing about, you know, this will be the time he'll win. No, I give him zero donut, zip, zilch, nine, nada. I, I, I don't see it at all. I don't. And if you're going to tell me in this short time that, you know, in all this time, oh, yeah, well, he's technically, he's, he's, he's technical enough to get the win. No. No, because I've said this before and I'll say it again. There is a difference between being technically sound or looking technically sound during sparring than in the than when you actually have to put that out in the rate. To give you guys a quick comparison, every offseason for the past three years, Ben Simmons has been shooting and it looks like he's a shooter. Put him in the regular season, all of a sudden the guy doesn't know how to. How you look like in practice, or how you look like in a training in a, a training session or a sparring session, that doesn't mean it's always going to translate into into the ring, especially when it's the antithesis of how Wilder has fought his entire career. Wilder never really had to be technical because that right always helped him. That that right was always there. It was always there. He's a good fighter, not a great one. Fury's a great one. And frankly, people are actually saying, oh, he put on the weight. Could it be because of the COVID and because of because he got COVID two times? Is it possible that it's because of COVID and he wasn't able to, to, to lose the weight? Maybe. Maybe. But I, I'm I'm not I, again, I'm not I don't think that matters. Fury didn't even watch Wilder sparring, uh, training spars. They don't mean nothing. They don't. They they don't at all. Because if you're gonna sit there and tell me that that like it, oh if you just look at the training, the training spar. No, I, 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 me personally, I think if you want to take it serious, let's see. The only way you can take it serious is two ways. One, who they are, and how they fight. For instance, if you indulge me in the UFC, Damian Maya. If you look at his training, his training footage, right, and it's him working his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you need to watch that because you need to try to find a way to somehow counteract it. In boxing, if you're going to fight a guy like, let's say, Juan Manuel Marquez, right, who loves to, he, he loves to be a counter, counter puncher, right, you're not going to fight him. Like, you're going to watch his tape and you're going to watch for the counter punches, you're gonna see how did it, it, does he set it up a certain way, or does he kind of just go with instinct? That's the stuff you watch training training footage for. The only training footage Fury Fury needed to watch was for his right. But after the first fight, when he took it two times, not once, not once, not one time, two times, it was so much of a non-factor. That after Fury took it the first time, he said, Yo, I want an encore. 
and he still got up. So in his mind, it's like, why do I need to watch the sparring footage? This dude is not going to change. And it, let's say, let's say, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say Wilder changes, right? Let's say, oh, yeah, he can, uh, you know, he's, he's more technically sound. Let's say that. Are you telling me he's got the mentality that when things are rough, he's going to stick with that tech, with that with that technical prowess? Is he still going to be technical when Tyson Fury? Because look, even if he is technical, there's no way he's going to be as technical as Tyson Fury. Because Tyson Fury continues to elevate his fight game, and on top of that, like you guys heard in the breakdown, this man was born into boxing. Like, like this dude. Knows boxing. He doesn't just fight. He's not a brother. He's a boxer. So there's no way Wilder is going to be on par technically, uh, you know, in, in the technical aspect as Fury. But let's say he is. Let's say by the grace of God, all of a sudden, this guy is like the second coming of, um, of, of Floyd Mayweather. He's the second coming of Sergio Martinez, right? Of Julio Cesar Chavez, right? Not the son because he's an embarrassment, but the father. Let, let's say that's what it is, right? What guarantee do I have? That he's gonna stick with that when things get rough. What are you? Let, let's say he he somehow clips Fury. Fury feels and it stumbles a little bit. Is he still gonna be tangled then, or is he gonna revert back to what he calls himself the Bronze Bomber? That's something people don't understand. Even if he managed to get technically sound, how can you assure yourself? That this guy's not gonna go back. He's fought his career one way. One way. Now all of a sudden, I'm supposed to believe me. I'm supposed to believe that, yeah, he, he could change like that, bro. Because if he could change like that, he would have changed the second fight. But no, he tried to do the same thing. Got molly and slapped up to the point where my guy is like. He tried to look at his corner. Who threw in the towel? Who threw in the towel? Dog, they saved your life. There's, I understand. They go, oh, you got to let the fighters go out on their shield. And I understand that to an extent. I get it. If I was a fighter, I would want to go out on my shield. But there's points in time where you can't let a fighter go on his shield. If I'm standing there and I'm getting pieced up, ain't no way I'm going to be mad at the corner for throwing in the towel. If anything, I got to be mad at myself. Because I, I, I'm, I'm doing something wrong to the point where they feel like that's the only option. If it's to the point where my, cor my corner is thrown in the towel, before I yell at them, I'm going to look at me. And I'm going to go to the mirror and I'm going to look in it and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the dumbest of them all? And guess what? You only going to see run flexion, mine, because I gave them that option. I forced their hand. I made them throw in the towel. Dude, talk about oh yeah, bro. The the outfit is what uh, made me it was uh, was what made me lose. No, you want to know what it, what was that made you lose? Your inability to be technical. You're relying on one thing. You're a one trick pony. You're a one trick pony. Now bring that pony to the county fair, and the one trick you can do a backflip. Whoop de do. After the third backflip, people gonna start walking away. Why? Because it's boring. You got nothing else. You can't trot. You can't do a cartwheel. You can't you can't you can't put the kids on for a ride and take them. No, you can only do a backflip. It's amazing to see in the beginning. It's amazing. But when it doesn't work, what's, what's, what's your plan B? What's your plan B? And before anyone says, oh, my God, you know, 
the uh, because I want to go back to Tyson Fury's weight because a lot of people are like, oh my god, that means Tyson Fury's gonna lose. Tyson Fury wants this fight to be over and done with. Tyson Fury doesn't want this fight. The only reason he's getting this, the only reason he's doing this is because he had to. In the contract, he had to take this fight. He's getting on, he's trying to knock him out within five rounds. Because he wants Anthony Joshua. That's who he wants. He wants Anthony Joshua. Who he himself just took an L, but I'm not going to go on that right now. Tyson Fury just wants to show up, knock this dude out, shut him up, and move on. When that happens tomorrow night, I don't want Tyson Fury saying anything. I want them instead to give the mic to Deontay Wilder first. Usually, they go to the winner first, and the winner goes on his whole thing. Oh, it was a great fight, you know. I'm, I'm you know, they go on their whole generic thing. They compliment the opponent, all that stuff, right? This time, I want them to go to, to Deontay Wilder first. I cannot wait to hear the excuses. The incoherent rambles and the idiocy that comes out of this man's mouth. That's honestly, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. That's going to be more entertaining than the fight itself. Because they're going to be grasped with straws. I'm going to tell you this right now. Round two, Fury's going to win his footwork. He's going to accidentally step on um, on Deontay Wilder's foot. Deontay Wilder's going to stumble back. He's going to fall. Ruffin's going to say, hey, no knockdown. I saw it. You know, he stepped on me. He'll get knocked out in the sixth round. He'll go to the mic. He stepped on my foot, broke my toe. My ankle was fractured in eight places. I couldn't walk. And his, his gloves are loaded. He's going to be like Mike Tyson 2.0. I broke my back. What, what kind of is it? Spinal. Th that's going to be this generation's Mike Tyson. That's going to be this generation's excuse. When they go and they hear this man talking about you know, I'm all messed up. I just don't, at this point, I just don't understand the the hype that's still for this guy. No, look, again, I want to reiterate this. He is a good fighter. He is. Fury's great. There's levels to this. There really is. Just like in everything, there's levels to being a basketball player. Right? LeBron James is on one level. Donovan Mitchell is on another. That doesn't mean Donovan Mitchell is trash, but he's just not on that upper tier level. Baseball. If we're talking about pitching, Matt Scherzer, Walker Buehler, Jacob DeGrom, those guys are on a, on a certain level. Those guys are at a top tier level. Nathan Avaldi is not on that level. That doesn't mean he's bad. He's a good pitcher, but he's not great. In football, there are the top quarterbacks. I, I can't really mention Deshaun Watson because I don't know what's going on with him. But Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. And by the way, if you say not Tom Brady, I hate you with passion. I'm just throwing it out there. But Tom Brady, right? The guys who are up there. Justin Herbert, he's not elite, but he's still good. He's still good. Maybe, maybe not even him. Baker Mayfield. 
He's not on that level. But he's still good. Derek Carr, not on that level, still good. If we want to talk about the UFC in the middleweight division, Paulo Costa is good. Robert Whitaker is good. They are. Israel Adesanya is just great. And that's okay. That's okay. That's not a bad thing. Where, where it becomes a bad thing is when you have this weird delusion that you're all of a sudden better than this person when you've been proven multiple times you're not. I'm convinced Deontay Wilder's insane. If anyway, like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing multiple times and expecting a different outcome. That's where he is in his career right now. He's doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. I don't know what's going to happen to him after this fight again. Fight number one, it was a split draw. One, one, uh, one ref or one, one judge had it 115-111 for Wilder, which blew my mind. Another one had 114-112 for Fury, and the other one called it. And by the way, the, the one who had it for Fury, they incorrectly said it. So they said it was 114 to 110, which in all actuality, no, it was 114 to 112. And that one judge had it 113, 113. So I'm telling you, bro, the bronze bomber, he's going, his name, bro, he's going to live by his name. Like the bronze bombers flamed out, this dude finna flame out. Like the Yankees bombed out, the bronze bomber, he finna flame out. Then after that, hopefully Tyson Fury can be done with him and he can go fight Anthony Joshua. Because at this point, that's the only thing left for him. Follow us on Twitter, at Prideful Takes. If you enjoy the spiciness you see here on Twitter, I'm even spicier. And I'll also be tweeting out news and things that be happening. I'll also be sharing my thoughts, uh, things I think should be happening. Catch on Facebook, at Prideful Takes. Um, obviously we go live on Facebook every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but also I'll be putting up memes up there as well. Some funny contests. So feel free to give us a follow there. If you don't got Facebook, you're in luck. We're also live on YouTube at prideful takes and every single episode is also up there. So feel free to dive in, visit our, uh, visit the website, www.pridefultakes.com. Not only is every single episode of the, of the podcast there also, we got original articles ranging from the most recent one I put up, where the Yankees go from here. But we do all of football. But back when Cam was released, where does he go from there? Um, we did a piece, excuse me, we did a piece on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He needs to step up or step out. We got a whole bunch of our uh, content on there. And I understand my face. Listen, man, I'm tough. You feel me? My only reason my fiance is with me is because I got her pregnant. That's the only reason. If not, she would have had a way out. I know my face is hit. So please check us out on Spotify at the Prideful Takes Podcast. Every single episode gets uploaded there the day after. So today's Friday, so on Saturday, that's when this episode will be up there. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for spending some time with me. And like I said, go Fury. I mean that with a passion. I'll see you guys on the next one. Stewart, how's going? That was a great read. Ooh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the chew on the season. Second and one for the Bills.
They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's down. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks. 